0: to the podcast of Vertical Life Church. We hope and pray these messages encourage and challenge you to find your glorious purpose in Christ Jesus. For more information, visit us on the web at www.blchurch.tv So good. Love the presence of the Lord and just how He's working and moving. Thank you, my wife, for leading us and for your spirit and your tireless effort and sacrifice, this living room worship service would not be possible if not for the partner I have and my wife, and I'm so thankful for her and the ministry that she has and how we can do this together. It's such an awesome thing. Um, We are in week two of this series, Healing for the Nations. And we have some ground to cover today, we have several scriptures, and so if you have a pen and paper there, or uh, if you weren't able to get onto version, but you have a pen and paper there, I'd suggest uh, getting some out to write these verses down, because I really would want you to meditate on these passages of scripture, and what I believe the Spirit of God is communicating to us today, because I think... God really wants the body of Christ to gain a full and complete understanding of what he intends for us as it pertains to healing. And more importantly, as it pertains to this word we use quite often called salvation. Because I don't think that most of us really even fully grasp or understand what salvation really is. We, we use it as it is uh, used as A term for a specific Christian experience, but there is a deeper understanding of salvation that God wants us to understand and what Jesus came to provide. Uh, Much of the focus about healing in Christian circles and in the church revolves around just physical healing. We talk about the gift of healing and, and healing in that way, but that is just one aspect to the healing God wants to provide and God wants to bring. And I believe the physical healing is important. Physical healing is. Definitely important for God. It's important for us, but it's an important aspect of what God's ministry is to the church and into the world. And you want to know why that is, why I believe that is because it was important to Jesus. Physical healing and healing people from physical infirmity was definitely important to Jesus. And we need to take a look at what the scripture is saying as we look at Jesus' life and what Jesus demonstrated for us to really capture the heart of God in this area for healing and salvation. Everywhere Jesus went, he healed people. We need to understand that no matter where he went in his ministry, he healed people. Even in his hometown where he couldn't do a lot of miracles, the Bible says, he still laid his hands on some sick people and they were healed. So, if healing was important to Jesus, we can know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that healing was important to God. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, Paul writes to the church of Colossae, he says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Jesus is the physical manifestation, representation of the living God. Jesus had said to his disciples, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. So if we want to know what the Father is like, we want to know what He looks like, we want to know what it's like to be around Him, we simply have to look at Jesus because He is the perfect demonstration, the exact replication of what our Father is like. So often we kind of feel like God is distant or we can't relate to God the Father. But all we have to do is look at Jesus and we can see what the Father is like. We can know what the Father is like. Is like in John chapter 5, verses 19, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by Himself, He does only what He sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does also, which means when we look at Christ's life, He didn't do anything that God wasn't doing. He didn't do anything that Jesus did not see in his own Father. He did not say anything the Father did not say. He did not do anything the Father did not do. And many of us, we have kind of this this perverted idea or understanding of God as we look in the Old Testament and we think, well, God was mean and, and angry in the Old Testament, but then he's light and fluffy in the New Testament. And that is a faulty understanding of God because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we can't look at his actions in the Old Testament and, and try to discern who he is with just looking at what happened there and say, well, God is angry and he was vindictive and he was mean and he was always punishing people for their sins. And then flip to the New Testament and say, but he changed in the New Testament. That is false doctrine. That is false belief. We cannot determine who God is by what he did or our perception of what he did in the Old Testament. We have to look at Jesus and see what Jesus was like. Who Jesus is, what he did, what he thought, how he felt, and then use that lens to then interpret who God is and what he did in the Old Testament. And we can see a completely different understanding of God and bring us into a true revelation of who God the Father is by looking at Jesus. If we want to know what the Father is like, if we want to even know what he thinks and feels, we look to Jesus. As Jesus is, so is the Father. As the Father is, so is Jesus. And in Acts chapter 10 verses 38, the Bible records this about Jesus as it pertains to healing. It says, And you know that God the Father anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and then Jesus went around doing good and Healing. Somebody say healing. healing. Type it out. Healing. Shout it out. Healing. Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So his mission, his ministry here was not just doing good and preaching and, and reading scripture and expounding what scripture meant. Part of the main focus of his ministry was healing. Healing is important. It was important to Jesus, why? Because healing is important to God. Healing is by nature the character of God. God is a healer. He is healer. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, in the Old Testament, God is revealing himself to the Israelites, and this is what he tells the Israelites. He says, If you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, obeying the commands and keeping all his decrees, I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians. He's telling them, if you are faithful to me, I will prevent sickness and infirmity from coming into your camp. Look what it says there at the end of the verse. He says, for I am the Lord who heals you. Let's put that verse back up there and let's look at the end of that verse. It says, I am the Lord who heals you. Focus on that for a minute. In the Old Testament, this is one of the places where God reveals His name or an aspect of His character by name to the Israelites. That term, the Lord who heals you, is the the phrase, Jehovah Rapha. This is one of the names of God. So He reveals His name, His essence, His character, part of His personality as the healer. So God doesn't just heal. That's not something He does. Healing is a part of who He is. Jehovah Rapha, the one, the Lord who heals. Healing, again, is not an aspect of just something God, what God does. God heals because that is who He is. He is healer. And many of us have grown up to believe in a God who can heal, but most likely won't. We believe in a God who can heal, but not necessarily will heal? Or who isn't presently healing in the world today? That God is not even healing now. We believe he can heal us, but we don't believe it is his will to heal us. And so we lack the faith to pursue that healing. We believe he can heal people that we care about in our lives, but we don't necessarily believe that he will heal the people in our lives. And this is an important thing, and I don't, I don't want to hurt anybody today, but this is a truth we need to understand, that if God is healer, that's who He is, that's a part of who He is, then if you believe in a God who can, but doesn't, you don't believe in the God of the Bible. Because the God of the Bible is a God who can, a God of the Bible who does, and a God of the Bible who, it's His will to heal. It's His will. If you don't believe in a God whose will is to heal, you don't believe in the God of the universe who spoke everything into existence, who created the world in six days and everything in it, the God who embodied human flesh in the form of Jesus Christ and gave himself on the cross for you. You don't believe in the same God of the Bible if you don't believe in a God who heals. God wants to heal. And he wants you to be healed, because that is his nature. He's the great physician. And physical healing is only an aspect. It's one-third of this healing God wants to bring into your life. Really, healing scripturally goes by another name, a word we use all of the time in, in the church. It's a word that we use. It's called salvation. Somebody say Salvation. salvation. This is a word we use all the time. But it's a word that speaks of the healing God wants to bring. And we use this word to really focus on one aspect of the Christian life, that's beginning a relationship with Jesus, getting saved. But we're going to look at biblically what this word really means. But before we do so, let's look at what the Bible says was Jesus' mission and and how we receive or enter into a relationship with God. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, this is the mission of Christ. It says, The Son of Man came to seek and to what? Save. save. Somebody say save. 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 Come on, say it like you mean it. Save. Save. Come on. Save. He came to seek and to save those who were lost. This was his mission. The total reason why he came was to seek and to save. In Romans ten thirteen, here's what Paul says is happens when we respond to the message of Christ. In verse 13, he says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? Saved, saved, right? He'll be saved. So he came to seek and to save, and if you respond to Christ, you will be saved. This word saved in the church, this is how we normally think of this word saved, is to signify being forgiven of your sins and beginning a new life in relationship with Jesus Christ. But this word saved means so much more. In the original language, the word saved is the word sozo. And the word sozo means can be translated multiple ways, but the three main ways is what is translated is to save or deliver, to make whole and to heal, physically, healing. To deliver, to make whole and to heal. In Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, Peter tells us what God's will for the entire world is, not just for Christians, this is the entire world. He says the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No. He's being patient for your sake. Thank you, Jesus. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. But he wants everyone to repent. And Ezekiel, he tells the prophet Ezekiel, I don't take pleasure in the death of the wicked. I hate it. He mourns. His heart breaks for everyone who dies and enters into judgment. Everyone who is wicked is destroyed. It breaks the Father's heart. Why? Because he loves the entire world. It's not isolated. His love's not isolated to a people group or to or to a denomination in church culture. His love extends to the entire world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. His will is not that any should perish, but that all should repent. Why is that important? It's because repentance of sin and trusting in Christ, in his death and resurrection, is how we enter into that relationship with Jesus Christ, how we begin the salvation process. That the point of repentance means to change your mind. It's the key element in beginning a relationship with God. Without repentance of sin and faith in the death and resurrection of Christ, confessing Him as your Lord and Savior, salvation cannot take place. But God's desire is that none should perish, but that all should repent. All would be saved, would be sozo. In Romans chapter 10, Paul says, if you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart, God's raised him from the dead, you'll be sozo, saved. And that is God's will for the whole world, that the nations of the world are delivered, that they are healed, that they are made whole. Completely restored to the original intent God had for the world before the foundation of the earth. We're going to look at the three levels of salvation, this word sozo, and we want to solidify this in our hearts so that we stop believing in a false God, a God who can but won't, or a can but don't, but a God who can, who will, and who does. Amen. I'm going to say that again. We want to change from believing in a false God who can but won't, or can and don't, to a God who can, who will, and who does. Because that's who our God is. Number one, the first aspect of salvation, or sozo, this healing that Jesus came to bring, is the word delivered. This is spiritual healing. We are to be delivered spiritually. Jesus, when he announced his ministry in Israel, he came declaring this word out of Isaiah chapter 61, which we will read in Luke chapter 4 verse 18. This is what Jesus declared. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives. Somebody say captives. Captives Captives will be released. The blind will see and the oppressed set free. This is what the Spirit of the Lord empowered him to do. This is part of his mission. The revelation of Jesus to this Jewish community was this revelation that he was coming to bring deliverance, to set the captive free and the prisoners free from their present condition. And in the context of salvation, as we're talking about being spiritually healed, we're talking about the healing of the spiritual nature in us that's been held captive by sin and death, and that's been exploited into a spiritual prison-like state as slaves to Satan in the enemy kingdom. Now, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of the gospel is good news because Jesus, through this good news of his death and resurrection, has provided a way for freedom for captives and freedom for prisoners. Somebody say amen to that. Come on, let's engage. Say amen. This is good news. Freedom for captives, freedom for prisoners. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a difference between a captive and a prisoner. A captive is somebody that's held against their will. A captive is somebody that is held against their will. A prisoner is somebody who's in prison for a crime they committed. A captive is someone that's captive against their will. A prisoner is someone being held as a consequence to their own actions. And Jesus came to set the captives free to heal us from both dilemmas. In Acts chapter 10.38, we're going to look at it again. It says, And you know the Spirit of God is anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit with power. Jesus went around doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil. This healing is coming to deliver us from this spiritual condition. We are, or we're born into a state where we are born oppressed by the devil. The word oppression literally means to exercise harsh control over someone, or to use power against someone. And this has been Satan's MO since the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3. When Adam and Eve sinned, sin entered into the world, the spiritual nature that was eternal, that connected us to the Father, it died. It died, and now every human being born after Adam and Eve have been born as captives to sin and death into the world we didn't have a choice it took over us because of what adam and eve unleashed in the garden of eden we were born as captives and satan has been manipulating this nature in us that's bent on rebellion towards god spiritual prostitution against god this this part of us that wants to walk away from the righteousness and the ways of god The scripture says all of us are like sheep who have gone away. It's this nature that strays away from God. Satan is manipulating that to get us to fall through temptation and to sin to give him power and authority over our lives. And what he does is he builds these spiritual strongholds, these spiritual prisons in our lives to hold us captive to bring even more dysfunction and destruction into our lives. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy so Satan is manipulating this captive nature, this sinful nature we have and using our sin against us to make us even greater prisoners to his will. In Romans 6 chapter, Romans chapter 6 verse 6 says we know that our old sinful na- selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. When Jesus died, we were set free from captivity. We no longer had to be held against our will. We are no longer slaves to our sinful nature. That is a, a glorious truth. Praise God that we no longer have to obey our sinful nature. We're no longer slaves to sin. We don't have to live in bondage to our temptations and our proclivities any longer. But not only are we no longer slaves to sin, but now through the power of the death and resurrection of Christ, the power the devil had over us is broken, and we can walk free from the prison cells that he has erected in our lives. Mm -hmm. Ephesians chapter 4, 26 through 28, Paul is revealing how Mm -hmm. when we sin, we give power over to the enemy. He says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down when you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. When we willingly follow in the way of the devil, when we give in to temptation, when we don't... Submit ourselves to God and we fall prey to the enemy's lies. We sin, that gives a license to the enemy to oppress us, to come in and wreak havoc in our lives. As in verse 28, Paul is saying, if you're a thief, if that's your temptation to steal, don't steal. Why? Because that gives power to the enemy when you choose to follow your sinful nature. He says, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands to do good hard work and then give generously to those in need. We no longer have to follow the way of our sinful nature. We can break free from that. We no longer have to do what the enemy wants. We can break free from that. And when we do, we are healed, delivered from the spiritual oppression that comes into our lives through the enemy's plans to steal, kill, and destroy. We can choose to sin no more. And this is what sanctification is. That's a big churchy word that means the process of, The process of becoming holy as he is holy. Breaking free from our sinful nature and walking in the righteousness of God. This is what this process that the Holy Spirit takes us on the moment we begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the process by which believers who have been freed from captivity and sin learn to break away from the strongholds of the enemy and exercise dominion over the powers of darkness in their sinful flesh, rather than being dominated by them. And this is the authority we have. When we enter into a relationship with Christ, we're set free from captivity. We gain authority in Jesus' name. Luke chapter 10, verses 19 through 21, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And Jesus says, look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. You can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. When we become delivered spiritually, we then receive the authority of Christ to then walk on top of the enemy, to have him under our feet, than to be constantly oppressed and under his thumb. He came to heal our sinful condition and deliver us from the kingdom of darkness and put us into the kingdom of light. Now as a believer, as a follower of Christ, a born-again, spirit-filled believer, we can exercise this authority and power over the enemy, not because that's just something we do. It's because this identity we receive from Christ is now a part of who we are. We are free. We are no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer captives to the enemy's schemes. Verse 21, Jesus continues after he instructs his disciples. This is At the same time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. He said, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, Thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever, and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. I love this scripture because I wonder what it would have looked like for Jesus to be filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. How overwhelming! It says the Spirit was in him in fullness. There was no lack of the Spirit in him, and I can't imagine what that would have looked like. But... In this passage, he's saying that he has revealed these truths to the child, like those who are following the faith of a child to believe in Jesus Christ. There are people who think today, in their rational minds, that through their own intelligence, that they can affect their own sanctification. That if they just go to church enough, if they just do enough good works, good things, that they can become holy like Christ. That they can break free from their sinful nature and the power of the enemy. Just because maybe they accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior a while ago, that now that they're free from all oppression of the enemy, they don't have to worry about spiritual attack any longer. And all that's really revealing is the pride and arrogance in the blindness in their life. Because though you might be free from the captivity of sin, Paul says in Ephesians 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood every day of our lives. Satan is like a roaring lion looking who he may Devour. He's coming for you. He's looking for chinks in your spiritual armor. trying to find ways to bring that oppression back into your life every single day. Which is why sanctification is not a one-time event. It's a lifelong process. We're free from the power of sin, but we continue to wrestle against the enemy. But I'm so thankful that because of what Christ did on the cross, we are delivered spiritually. We no longer have to suffer the consequences of sin and fear death. But we can live the abundant life Jesus came to provide. The second area of sozo, the second area of healing, is not just spiritual healing; it's also physical healing. Matthew chapter eight, verses two through four, it's a story about uh, a man with leprosy that is healed by Christ. And I, I mention this a lot because I, I really am enjoying the series called The Chosen right now. But there's a scene in this in this series where it depicts this encounter where Jesus heals a leper, and it's such a moving encounter. But here the Bible records this. It says, Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be healed. And instantly leprosy disappeared. And then Jesus said to him, Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. And This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Here this guy had an incurable disease. There was nothing the medical field, medical professionals could do for him. Religiously he was unclean, so they kicked him out of the the city. He had to stay away from people. He had to be socially distanced because no one wanted to catch his malady or his disease. He was left in isolation and when he encounters Jesus, he doesn't come to Jesus with monster, superhuman faith. He he doesn't. He did, you know, and a lot of us believe that that in order to receive a healing, we have to have this faith that is just supernatural. That in order for God to want to heal us, but He doesn't do that. He just says, "Lord, if you're willing." He he had a God. I believe you can faith, but not necessarily a God. I know you will faith. He didn't know if God was willing. But what does Jesus reveal is the heart of the Father for those who are sick, those who are infirmed. He says, I am willing, be healed. No, he didn't have superstar faith. Why did Jesus heal him? One, it's because it's God's nature to heal. And two, Jesus was moved with compassion. You see, he didn't create us to live like this, to suffer like this, to go through life struggling with illness and disease and pain and suffering. It breaks God's heart to watch his children, his creation, his people suffer. Jesus didn't create us to live in pain or in bondage. Now, just as a parent with a child who has a debilitating incurable disease would do anything to cure the, their child from that sickness. They even take their place, trade spots with them so they could go through the suffering so their child wouldn't have to. Our Father has the same heart. As a matter of fact, not only did he desire to do that, that's in fact the very thing that he did. He came into this life, he took on all the pain and suffering upon himself on the cross, and he died to break the power of sin and death so we wouldn't have to live like that any longer. Psalm 103 verse 3, the psalmist writes, He forgives all my sins, that's spiritual healing, but two, he also heals all my diseases. Jehovah Rapha, the healer, heals all all of our diseases. It is the nature of God to heal. Now there are many reasons why people don't receive healing in this life. There are many believers who get sick and do pass away. And so I don't want to mislead you to think that if you're sick that you're outside of God's will or anything like that. There are many reasons why people don't receive healing and we're not going to go over those today. We'll go over those in another teaching. But I just want to reaffirm to you that that we need to get this understanding that it's God's will to heal. That's what His heart is. He wants to heal. He's going to heal. So even if we don't see that healing in this life like we want to see or how we picture in our own hearts and our own minds, the moment we stand before Christ and see Him face to face, we are completely healed and whole. There is no sickness in heaven. There is no pain or suffering in eternity. We are instantly healed and whole. The manner in which he wants to heal sometimes differs from what we have in mind, but nonetheless, God wants to heal you. And number three, the last part of sozo, the salvation that God wants to bring in our lives, is emotional healing. In Isaiah 61, verse 1, the quote that Jesus quotes in Luke 4, he comes out of Isaiah 61, it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. Somebody say brokenhearted. brokenhearted. The brokenhearted. This word brokenhearted comes from two Hebrew words, shavar and love. Shavar means shattered or broken into pieces. And the word love means the heart, soul, the mind, or the understanding. This is your mind, will, and emotions. This is your soul, part of yourself. See, trauma happens your mind tries to deal with it in certain ways to try to compensate for the pain and the suffering that it endures. And according to betterhealth.vic.gov, it lists this malady, really this, this state of mind that begins to transform or take place in a person when they experience trauma, whether it's physical or emotional or mental, is called disassociation. And Disassociation is a mental process of disconnecting from one's thoughts or feelings or their memories or even the sense of identity. Pain happens, you don't know how to deal with it, it's overwhelming and so disassociation happens as a coping mechanism to try to help you deal with that. People who experience a traumatic event, they write, will often have some degree of disassociation during the event itself or in the following hours, days or weeks. For example, the events seem unreal or the person feels detached from what's going on around them as if they're watching the events on television. The condition typically involves the coexistence of two or more personality states within the same person. While the different personality states influence the person's behavior, the person is usually not aware of these personality states and experiences them as memory lapses. Other states, uh, memory states have the different body language, voice, tone, and an outlook on life and memories. The person may switch to another personality state when under stress. A person who has disassociative identity disorder almost always has dissociative amnesia too, where they can't really remember the traumatic events. Think about this in your life. There's not a person on the planet that's not experienced pain at some point in their life or another. Have you ever felt like you were not yourself when under stress? Or maybe you're having an issue with a loved one and something just triggers something inside of you and it seems to bring this emotion out of you and you feel like you, you're not yourself and you're overreacting and you don't know why. You see, it's especially when we're young, we don't know how to process pain or emotion, that we can enter these states of disassociation and literally our soul, our mind, will, and emotions become shattered, our heart becomes shattered, and pieces break off and remain broken soul wounds don't heal by themselves like a flesh wound might. and So part of our soul, our personality can splinter off as a way to cope with or ignore the pain or the problem but that pain comes back up when we're triggered and something triggers that memory and it brings that pain back up. Why? Because that part of our personality got locked into a state of pain, and that pain hasn't been resolved, and it's just lying in wait for it to be triggered and come back up in our lives. And that's why many of us continue to struggle with the same issues over and over again, and don't know how to resolve them. In the Bible, in James chapter 1, verse 8, you see, this is not just a, a discovery from modern science. This is something the Bible's talked to, to us about all along. In James 1, 8, it says, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Double-minded literally is translated as two-spirited or two souls. That there's two natures in a person, and why they won't receive anything from God is because they have these influences that are equally pressing upon them, and they don't know which way to go. And that's what happens when we experience painful trauma in our lives, and we have splintered parts of our personalities, and we have all these influences in our lives, and it creates instability in our lives, and in our relationships. And these this instability, these open wounds in our soul, are open doors for the enemy to manipulate, to control, to bring further pain and suffering and dysfunction into our lives. But the good news is, beloved, that Jesus was anointed and came to heal the brokenhearted. Amen. Jesus wants you to be whole, to be healed. And the wholeness he wants to bring about is to reconnect those broken, shattered pieces and to mend what was broken so you can become whole and you can discover and know who you were always meant to be. Beautiful, fearfully and wonderfully made, chosen before the foundation of the world. I want to show you from one of the most famous passages of Scripture, how we can know that this is the salvation that Jesus wants us to experience, that God wants to provide a holistic salvation, a holistic healing that covers mind, body, and spirit. Mind, soul, and spirit, or body, soul, and spirit. That it's a triune salvation, not just saving us from our sins, not just healing our physical bodies, but also mending our broken hearts. It is a triune salvation salvation or healing and it comes from isaiah chapter 53 one of the most famous passages of scripture we read about the messiah and what he did for us on the cross but here we're going to read it and we'll close isaiah 53 3 he says he was despised and rejected by men read this with me if you can see it on the screen he was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows acquainted with grief And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. There are several key words in this passage the first one I want you to see is the word griefs. The word griefs equals, in the original language, sickness. It is our physical infirmity. The Lord, as you can see, bore our griefs. When he was placed on the cross, it wasn't just our sins that he carried on the cross. It was every physical infirmity. The reason why you couldn't recognize him as a man was not just because he was beaten beyond recognition. It's because God placed upon him every curse of physical suffering. Every curse of infirmity, every sickness was placed upon Jesus at the cross. The second key word is the word sorrows. He carried our sorrows. This word means anguish, grief, or emotional pain. This is the broken hearts of the people of the world. So he bore our physical suffering. He's also bearing our emotional suffering. He was beaten for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The word transgression, that word means rebellion. That's our sin nature. That's what holds us captive when we're born into this world. Iniquities, it's our sinful actions. It's what the enemy gets us to do, to give him power and authority into our lives. Yet Jesus on the cross was beaten for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. That what held us and held captive has been placed on Christ at the cross. And as he bore these three areas, what has he been able to do and provide in the cross? Number four is that he brought us peace. The chastisement he received has brought us peace. That word peace means shalom, in his completeness, in his soundness, welfare, or wholeness. In the cross of Jesus Christ, what he accomplished his finished work, provided for us a holistic salvation, a salvation, a healing for our mind, our body, and our soul. And how does he heal us of this? Well, it says, by his stripes, we are healed. Before the throne of Christ, this is our present state. But we live in a now and not yet kingdom. So though before the throne of God, where we are right now spiritually, we are perfectly healed and whole. But in our present reality, we have given, been given a glimpse of that future glory. Or as we pursue Christ, pursue the kingdom, and walk in the Spirit, we can experience the reality of the kingdom in our lives today. In Acts 26.18, Jesus says, He was sent to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins in a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. It was not enough for God just to rescue us from our sins. He wants to sanctify us. He wants to make us holy as he is holy and to bring about a holistic salvation. This is his will for us. And in turn, as Jesus was sent into the world, God is sending us into the world to help others experience that holistic salvation that he came to provide. And beloved, it is a salvation that is continuing to work in the world today. The Bible says, he who began a good work in you will accomplish it. Well, he will complete it. He's faithful. So it's a work that began, but it's still continuing in your life. And it's one that will continue until Jesus returns to claim his bride. The last passage of Scripture I want to show is Ephesians chapter 5, beginning, beginning in verse 25. This is God's vision for you and I, for the church, and for the world. It says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so he might present the church to himself in splendor, glory, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and holy without blemish. God's desire and why he sent Jesus to a rescue mission which culminated in the cross and the resurrection was that he could gather a people who he could make holy and clean without any spot or any blemish. No spiritual wounds, no emotional wounds, and no physical wounds. A holistic salvation And this is what He's invited us into today. So, beloved, does God want to heal you? Yes, He does. He is a healer. And His will for your life is for you to be healed and to be completely whole. And this is what we find in Jesus Christ. So think about this today. In what way do you need to be healed today? There are many physical issues that we wrestle with that are actually the result of spiritual issues and emotional, deep emotional issues. Stress is one of the leading causes of death and physical issues that lead to death in our world. Stress is a result of emotional issues. So what is it in your life that you need to be healed of today? Well, beloved, you can find that in Jesus Christ as you begin to seek Him in the Holy Spirit and how to discover and experience the salvation and the healing that He desires for you today. But none of that is possible without first beginning our life with Jesus Christ. As the music begins to play, we go into a time of prayer and response. Are you here today and you need to begin a relationship with Jesus? Do you desire, do you desire truly the salvation that Jesus came to give you? Well, if you do, that first begins with repentance of sin, not agreeing with sin. Amos 3.3 says, can two people walk in the same direction and not be in agreement? The answer is no. If you're walking in agreement with sin, you're in agreement with sin, and you're giving power to the enemy in your life. And Jesus said, I've come that you'd have another option. You can either keep walking the way the enemy wants you to walk, after your sinful nature, after the flesh, after the things the world says you need to do, or the world says disregard God and what his desires are for your life. Just do what makes you feel happy, If you want to continue living that life, then you continue agreeing with sin. You continue to agree with that power that will bring brokenness into your life. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. You can choose another way. And that first begins with saying, you know what, I'm not going to agree with sin anymore. I'm not going to agree with the enemy. God, I recognize I've made mistakes. I've sinned before you. I understand what the penalty of sin is and God I ask you to have mercy on me. I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I want Him to be my Lord and Savior today. I repent of my sins. Please save my soul. If you respond to the Lord in that way, His invitation for new life, today you can experience spiritual healing. You can be forgiven of your sins cleansed of all unrighteousness. The Bible says if you ask God for forgiveness, He'll be faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. All of your sin will be thrown into the sea of forgetfulness, moved and washed away as far as the east is from the west. You'll bear your sin no more. No more will you have to live under the fear of judgment from God, but you'll be raised up as a son or daughter of the Most High. God has good plans for you, good plans to prosper you, to heal you and make you new? Will you accept His invitation to enter into that salvation today? If you need to begin a relationship with God, you want to commit your life to Him, maybe for the first time in your life, generally from your heart, I encourage you right now to pray to the Lord. And I'd be honored to lead you into a prayer of salvation, a prayer, there's no magic in these words, but if your heart is, believes it and means it that God's going to do a work in your life the Holy Spirit's going to enter your space today He's going to enter your life and you are going to become altogether new and all that shame and all that guilt you've been carrying is going to be no more so if you need to accept Jesus right now right where you are I encourage you to pray this with me. Pray it aloud. Declare it with your mouth. The Bible says, if we confess Him with our mouth that He is Lord and believe in our heart God raised Him from the dead, we shall be saved, sozo, healed. Healing comes with that faith and that confession. So you believe and you confess it today. And just pray right here with me. Say, O oh, Heavenly Father. Let's pray it together. Church, if you're, if you're uh, around others that might be needing to pray, pray with us. Say, oh Heavenly Father. Thank you for your love. And I believe you are healer and you want to heal me and that you love me. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of them today. Today, I live for you. I'm following Jesus. And I believe in his death and his glorious resurrection. And I believe that the Holy Spirit can empower, can empower me to live a new life. Mm-hmm. So, Father, so, Father, I am yours. I'm yours. Please, Please, in Jesus' name, in Jesus. Save, my save my soul. Fill me with your Spirit. With your spirit. Change my life. Mm-hmm. I, give you, I give it to you, now and forever. Now and forever. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. I'm so thankful if you prayed that and you genuinely meant it from your heart. I know right now God is doing the work in your life. I know that the Spirit of God is all over you, working in you. And Lord, I just bless those that prayed. God, even those that might be older, that have been in church their whole life, that have just come to a realization that they didn't truly believe in the God of the Bible, that they really don't know you. They've read about you, but they don't know you. And today, for the first time, the Spirit has given them an awakening that you are healer. You are a God who heals, that's who you are, Jesus came to heal them, and that they need that touch, not just for their sin, but for their entire life, that their broken heart has gone shattered for far too long, God, and I just pray a blessing on them, right now, God, you begin piecing together every broken piece, revelation come in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, reveal to them the areas in their lives that the enemy has been using against them, and God, give them the faith to trust in you and to invite you into those places to bring healing. If they've lived in unforgiveness, God, that right now, God, that they'd be moved and empowered to offer forgiveness and break free from the enemy's hold. And God, we just pray that a wave of healing would just be released right now in Jesus' name. God, I pray for those that are suffering with physical infirmities, Lord, many of which have come by their own hand. They've agreed with the enemy to abuse their bodies, to, to uh, ingest things that are not healthy, to overeat, to overdrink, to, to abuse the body that you've given. God, And we've listened to the culture. We've supersized everything at the restaurant. We've done all this stuff that has had a detrimental effect because we've agreed with the enemy and what the enemy has said about our bodies and our health and not what you've said. We let this entertainment culture keep us on our seats rather than being active in the world and being about the Father's business. So I pray for those, God, that need to repent of the lifestyles they've been living, that you'd move in their hearts, bring them to their knees, God, and change lives today in Jesus' name. For those that are addicted to substances, whether it be cigarettes or alcohol or anything, God, that they would see that that is not just moderation because anything in moderation can be healthy but what's being abused is sin before you and it's opening a door to the enemy in your life god i pray for those who've disregarded what they've listened to what they've watched and what they are putting in their minds the influences that they're that they're listening to the relationship they've had where they've willingly broken your will for our lives and relationships the morals have been broken and brought brokenness into their lives god that you would reveal the areas that they need to repent, not to cast shame, but to deliver them from shame so they can encounter your pure and unconditional love. So often the enemy keeps us at a distance from you because we think, oh, I've made all these mistakes. I, I can't be loved fully by God. But the minute we come to you with that, that power is broken. The minute we confess that power is broken. There are some that are harboring things in their lives they don't want anyone to know about. And it's just an opening door for the enemy to keep them in a spiritual prison. There are many who are walking in denial thinking they have no problems. And all they're doing is ignoring the work of the enemy in their lives. God, there's some, and I know I've been guilty of this, who think we've arrived spiritually to the place that we've heard all the stories, we we know all the sermons, we don't need anything else. But yet, God, that is such a place of pride that is groomed for a downfall. God, bring humility to the proud today. Help us recognize our attitudes. Help us begin walking in the healing that you gave your life for on the cross to give you the reward that you came to discover, the reward of a life fully devoted and fully submitted to you. And help us to see what an honor, what a privilege it is that your yoke really is easy and your burden really is light. Enslavement to sin and the enemy means death, but enslavement to Jesus means everlasting life. And who the Son is set free is truly free. God, let this shift begin to happen in the body of Christ. God, that the wrinkles And the robes of your beloved would begin to be ironed out. And I just thank you, God, for the work that you're doing this morning. We praise your name. In Jesus' name. Spirit, I just ask you to guide and lead. I feel like there's somebody that you want to touch today, so I just pray that you would reveal that in Jesus' name. I just hear in my heart, maybe somebody's dealing with issues in their pancreas. Maybe it's pre-cancer, or maybe you're waiting for test results, or you're having attacks. I just hear this in Jesus' name. And so we just lift up this individual to you in Jesus' name. God, we just unseal the work of the enemy on their life. We break its power by the name of Jesus, Lord. We intercede as the body of Christ. You said it: whatever we bind is bound in heaven. So we bind the work of the enemy and the infirmity upon the pancreas in Jesus' name. And every attack coming upon it, we bind the pain in Jesus' name. We command it to go right now in the name of Jesus. And we ask you, Holy Spirit to just touch them right now, God, that instant comfort would come to the body like a wave of relief, God, would just come as you free them from this physical infirmity. All cancer cells would be gone in Jesus' name. Um, All just attack and abnormality on the pancreas would be gone in Jesus' name. I just hear also cirrhosis of the liver, that the cirrhosis would be gone right now. God, it would dissolve and disappear, that all cells would be completely healed and restored and regrown right now in Jesus' name. God, that the damage the enemy has been able to cause in that life for years, God, would be undone, and the glory of Jesus and the power of his name would be revealed right now in your precious name. Thank you, Jesus, for healing. Thank you, God, for revealing yourself today in that life. Thank you, Lord. Lord, there's somebody seeking you right now who desperately wants to be filled with your Spirit. So right now, Lord, I just pray, release your Spirit. Fill him, God. Fill them. Baptize them right now in your presence, your Holy Spirit. Fill them, God, more. The fire of your presence descend. Let the weight of your glory descend on, God. Bring them into a true encounter that's going to mark them for life, God. It's going to bring them into their destiny, Lord. We just thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Spirit, for glorifying Jesus. And another is fill them, God. Fill them, Father. Fill them. Let your unconditional, overwhelming love just cover their lives right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Bring healing to the pain in their life, God. Bring healing where the enemy has left scars, God. Bring healing in Jesus' name. And fill them. Fill them, God. We just bless them in Jesus' name. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you for meeting with us today. Amen. I, I pray that you've been blessed, church. And if God's encountered you, if you experience a touch from the Lord, we want to hear about it. We want to rejoice with you. The testimony is the, the spirit of prophecy. Anytime you testify about what God has done in your life, it activates the faith in other people to believe for more. And so we want to hear what God is doing. If you accept Jesus as your Savior, put it in the comments. Let, let us know. We want to rejoice with you. If God is ministering to you right now and, and you believe you're healed, go get it checked out by the doctor. If you're healed, tell us about it. We want to rejoice with you. And we want to proclaim that because it gives people the faith to believe for more in their own lives. And so we want to know. Uh, even after the service today, you can message our page. Let us know. We want to be praying for you. We want to be encouraged by your testimony and we want to share that to give glory to Jesus and give Him the reward that He's due. Well, now we're going to transition as we close our service today with the Lord's Supper, and uh, we'll take just a minute to get everything together, and then we'll pray, and uh, we'll bless you with a happy Mother's Day. From all of us at Vertical Life Church, we want to say thank you for listening this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to www.blchurch.tv forward slash give. Thank you, and God bless.